Welcome into the Listeners Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we have a great episode for you talking about a variety of things, including the NBA play-in tournament and what we think it means for the NBA playoff picture. If any of those teams playing it have a realistic chance of competing for the championship, we get a soft preview of the NBA playoffs as they start this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, the first round. And we also will dive into some NFL rumors, including OBJ signing with the Ravens, what that means for Lamar Jackson, and any other NFL news from around the league. That's all next here on the His and Hers podcast. Perfect. Paige, we have the play-in tournament set. Uh, It's going to start... Uh, by the time you listen to this, there'll be two games that have already played between the Hawks and the Heat and the Timberwolves and Lakers. On Wednesday, the Bulls will face uh, the Raptors in Toronto and the Pelicans will host the Thunder. So we have a lot of different scenarios. The first question I wanted to ask you is first, there's two burning questions that were asked of me one, do I know how to say juxtaposition? And I practiced it because I butchered it the last time. <laughs> Owned me. So I want to get that out here clearly. Juxtaposition. Okay. Still, it's a, it's a tricky word. Why'd you say juxtaposition? Juxtaposition. Yeah, just let it roll off the tongue. Don't try to it's, break it up. It's tough. It's, it's the pausing that gets you. It, juxtaposition. How was that? That was my best, I think. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I think that was the best one. Um, and the second one is you referenced LeBron playing and seeing him play live was a top moment in your life. People, uh, inquiring minds are wondering, like, is it top five moment of your life? I mean, what what is up there that it's competing with? Is it number one? You know, it just people are curious. You made a strong statement and they're wondering that's pretty strong. Uh, what about the birth and uh, being an aunt to your beautiful nieces and nephews? Some people are wondering. <laughs> oh, well, to those people that are just so curious, wondering, um, I think in I think in life, you got to put things in different brackets, right? But there's certain uh-huh. things that fall under the same. And for me, it's like, okay, finding Jesus and then seeing LeBron live. <laughs> in no particular order that that <laughs> I think that's strong. I think that's very strong. Um, some would say that it was a spiritual experience. Just saying some would say that. It most definitely was. I mean, God loves basketball. If I know anything about God, I know that he loves basketball <laughs> and football, and it's why he created them. So hey, that all right. Well, thank you for informing us of that. That was no, but, uh inquiring minds were wondering. Definitely probably uh from a sports moment perspective, it was probably top two for me. I think that um being just being a huge Vikings fan, uh, I think that actually being at a playoff game in US Bank Stadium, even though we did loss, like that, like even though we did lose, was did probably loss. we did loss. Um, was probably we done one did of, loss. I tell you what, no. we, done, we done did loss that game, you know what I'm saying? I did. I um, did. But I think I think it, there there could be debates on whether that was the like they would they could go back and forth of like seeing my 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 favorite sport to watch which is football and the team that I've invested my heart and soul into um, versus my second favorite sport to watch which is basketball with the man that I've put my heart and soul into I mean just depends on the day. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. See, we have that properly ranked. That's uh, 
you know, got to, again, got to answer those inquiring minds. Um, well, sweet. Well, the real question I wanted to ask before I dived into that is looking at the playing tournament, um, really are any of these teams contenders? There's only one team I think people are talking about. It has more to do with the player that you were just mentioning and his running mate in Anthony Davis. The Lakers are viewed as a team that no one really wants to play. Um, and if they win, they take on a Memphis team who's had an up-and-down season, albeit they are number two in the playoff picture and in the seating. But out of these teams... Let's put the Lakers aside. We, we can talk about the Lakers aplenty. Are there any other teams that cause you concern? Or, you know, also another question, are the Timberwolves the biggest dumpster fire of a weird franchise you've ever seen? Just throwing <laughs> Those are it out two, there. Two very different questions. They right are. There. I just um, looked at them playing the Lakers, and then I just remember that Rudy Gobert was suspended as of today. And I'm just wondering why do all the Minnesota franchises cause hate and discontent among this fan base? You just never know. Um, yeah. So I, I want to jump on the Kings bandwagon for a second. Um, I just think that what the Kings have done this year is kind of crazy to me. Um, we mentioned kind of last podcast that like the nature of my job, I've gotten to see 33 of the 41 home games for the Utah jazz this year. And I remember when it was the Kings, we didn't have a lot of like at the beginning of the season, I think it was back in December was when they played at home. We didn't have a lot of interest from any clients, prospects, employees to go see the Kings live. Um, Cause everyone's just like, Oh, that game's going to suck. And like, you look at it and like they're third in the Western conference. And so They've actually been a really, really great team. And so I'm kind of excited what to date they do with the playoffs. I think that it can be one of those stories of like a team that you didn't really anticipate at the beginning of the season, but they've had a great run. Obviously, 30, 48 wins, 34 losses, sitting right at number three. I think that they're a big contender in the West. And so I'm excited to kind of see what they're able to do um, in the playoffs and see if they can carry that momentum from the season forward. Yeah, no, um, I agree with you. I think they have probably the best offense in the NBA, at least if you look at all the advanced stats um, and the numbers that support it with De'Aaron Fox, you know, running the point and, uh, you know, Sabonis being that point center, kind of like a Nikola Jokic light. I think you have an opportunity to put up a lot of points. It all just, you know, the unfortunate thing I think for them is playing uh, the Golden State Warriors, a team with championships upon championships the last 10 years, players that have been there, done that, that are, you know, going into the light, the beam arena, the golden one center, not being deterred or scared in any way. I think it's a lot different than some of the other matchups that they could have gotten. Uh, but to get back to specifically the playing tournament, before we dive too much into the playoff picture itself, um, you know, the only team I look at, you know, that is playing, you know, in that, I guess playoff or postseason would be the correct term is the heat. Um, the heat playing the Hawks at home tomorrow. They should, they should probably win. Uh, and then looking at that, they would end up facing um, a Boston team that they wouldn't be afraid of. Not that they would lose to them, but they took them to seven games and Jimmy Butler was a three point shot off the front of the rim away from sending the heat to the final. So, I think that the Celtics would win that series and I think they'd win it in five to six games. But I also know that if, 
you know, Jimmy Butler's in the postseason. We've seen it two of the last three. He just he's a different player and he kind of ascends to a different level. And when Spolster has those games in a very tight manner with his out of bounds plays and his different matchups he can exploit, they have shown to be a very annoying and dangerous, uh, low, uh, high, I guess, low seated team. So I think you put the Lakers aside, you go both conferences. I think if you're an Easter conference team like the Bucks or the Celtics, you're just cheering for the Hawks to beat the Heat, and then you hope that the Bulls or Raptors beat the Heat in the next game because you just would much rather play three of those four teams over them. Yeah, I think that's a great point of just like you don't want it. There's just some players and there's just some organizations that you know will just be trouble for you in the postseason, regardless of what their record's been. And I think that the Heat's one of those examples where it's like you have a player like Jimmy Butler who's going to be like ascend to a different level in the postseason. And you just don't want to give him that opportunity, especially because I mean, like, how often do we see upsets, especially in basketball? I think that there's always this insane amount of like underdog teams winning out. I mean, just look at March Madness this last year and you'll see all of these teams that nobody would have like put their money on beating teams. And they do because basketball is such a, there's so many elements that go into it, but I think basketball is the game that can change pace back and forth so quickly that you can lose control of a game in the blink of an eye without even realizing that you swung the momentum back to the other team. And so yeah, I think that that's the exact thing that the Bucks and the Celtics would want is the Heat getting out early um, and not having to face them and be the ones to put them out. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good point. You know, in the NBA, traditionally, the higher-seeded teams, whether they lose two or three games, like you said, you know, losing a basketball game can happen on any given night, you know, whether the other team's shooting really well or you just are careless with the basketball. Uh so typically, but typically those higher seed teams end up winning. But what you don't want to get to is a dog fight in the first round, especially if you're a higher seeded team. Like if you're the Celtics and you have to get in a dog fight with with the uh, with the Miami Heat, and then in the next round you have to play a Philly or Brooklyn team, that Philly will probably handle them pretty easily. But if you had to go seven round, you know, seven rounds with a Heat team and then who's physical, who plays tough, and then you go into the next round and you're, you got to play a physical, tough Philly team, you're gonna you're gonna wear down a lot quicker. And so I think that's the most important element. It's not whether or not I think the Heat. I mean, the Celtics wouldn't beat the Heat, but it's more along the fact that it would probably be tough and grueling and grinding. And that would just wear them down a lot quicker than if they play like a Hawks team who just wants to run and shoot and will shoot them out at the symbols out of any game. Um, you know, and, and so I look at the other teams, you know, the Timberwolves, I think have the player that can ascend to the highest level out, outside of the Lakers. But I think Anthony Edwards is a player that in a stretch of two to three games, he had, he has shown that he has this ability to get to that superstar level of scoring. I mean, you look at the game that they played um, the other night where uh, against the the Thunder, um, and he had to basically will his team to, or the Pelicans, excuse me, will his team to the win because Rudy Gobert punches his Kyle Anderson, his teammate. It's kind of chaos. Cat really isn't playing very well. And Anthony Edwards make this massive block on the defensive side in a two-point game, gets fouled as he makes a layup for an and one and kind of seals the deal to give them the ability to have two chances to make the play. And that's a big distinction distinction between being seven and eight and nine and ten, is you just gotta win once. And he was able to seal that win so they didn't have to go and win two games like they did last year. Yeah, so true. 
Um, what do you make of the Western Conference? So you, if we start talking about the Lakers, um, it seems as if the Western Conference is opening up for a team that is a little lower seeded like Golden State, like the Lakers, even like Phoenix, who's a four seed. It seems like it's opening up for, for a team that maybe isn't high seeded to make a run to the finals. What do you make of the Western Conference? Yeah, the Western Conference has been interesting all season, right? Because, I mean, you obviously had, like, the standouts, like the Bucks and Celtics. I mean, that's Eastern Conference. Nuggets and Grizzlies have kind of separated <laughs> themselves from the pack a little bit. But I'm like, you look at these teams and, like, they're, the the margin of error was so finicky. It was after every single night the the changes were happening in between who was first through 10th place. And so it was crazy to see. I mean, the, the Jazz were in there for a really long time in the mix. And so I think that the Western Conference has been so interesting that way of like the teams have been like within a game of each other. And so that's why I think that it's been such a fun end of the season, um, which is a little bit different than I feel like we've had in a lot of years past with the NBA. It's like by the last like two weeks of the season, generally you kind of know what's happening. I think that they, uh, NBA is trying to get more to like an NFL style where it's like the last games of the regular season have a major impact on the postseason. So I think they've been doing a good job of trying to have a little bit more, more, more momentum in that happening. Um, but I think that the Western Conference is just going to be so fun to watch this playoffs be simply because of that fact of like, you don't have like the Suns, Clippers, one like game apart, half a game apart. The Warriors, like half a game behind the Clippers, the Lakers, a game behind them. And so it's like you have this like really, really tight um margin of error within those teams. And so I think seeing them all go up against each other and they're all pretty level skilled from like the quality of players that they have. They all have big name players that are just doing amazing things in those organizations. And so it's just going to be fun of like going back and forth. I think you can expect a lot of uh, through game sevens in the Western Conference. So I think that it's going to have a major impact on the finals because I think that the Eastern Conference is going to have a little bit easier of a time of queuing up and shutting down um, teams within the first few games and getting those rests in between. Whereas in the Western conference, I think you're going to see a lot of seven game series, which is then going to translate, as you mentioned into like each time they play a seven game series, that's going to get adding up and it's going to tire those players out faster. So I think that it gives the Eastern conference, it's going to give the Western conference fans a lot more excitement during the postseason, but I think it gives the Eastern conference potentially better um, seating for the actual finals round, because I think there'll be a little bit, more rest on that east eastern side yeah i think i think you made an interesting point because i do look at i wanted to kind of compare how the you know how the playoff runs happened last year for the 2022 playoffs because if i look at it here's per, so i pulled it up so the celtics they they swept um the nets in the first round the Kyrie kd nets they then win a seven-game series against the Bucks, which they had to come back down 3-2. They had to go in Milwaukee and then win a game seven at home. They then have to go to Miami and win a game seven, uh, another seven-game series. Uh, and then they play the Warriors in the finals. Meanwhile, the Warriors go 4-1, 4-2, and 4-1. They, they, they go 4-1 against the Nuggets, 4-2 against the Grizzlies, which is probably their toughest series. 4-1 against the Mavericks, and none of those games were really that close, if I remember correctly. And then they get into uh, the finals where they got down 2-1, but that's where I think it really does make a big difference. They were down 2-1, but they, 
but they hadn't played the amount of games and they hadn't played as physical games as the Celtics had leading up to the finals. And so they were able to kind of make a big push. They win that pivotal game four, so they even the series. And I think at that point is when they really, you know, the Celtics had kind of folded because they, they just did not have it in them to win two more out of the next uh, three games. So I think it is a really big deal. So I look at the West and, you know, say the Lakers were to lose and they go to the eight seed. They, they end put, up beating. Don't put they, that out there. Say they lose to the Timberwolves. I don't think they will, but then they, you know, they beat the Pelicans of the Thunder and they're playing Denver. Like as good of a season as Denver's had, if the Lakers don't start two and 10, you're talking about a team that probably is a little bit closer up to that three, four range. Uh, maybe even flirting with that number one with how they played since the post all-star break. And so I wouldn't necessarily say they're that big of underdogs against the Nuggets team. Maybe I'm drinking that Laker Kool-Aid because we saw them live. And and I, and I think that AD and LeBron can ascend to a level that really no duo can outside of maybe Booker and Durant. Um, but anyway, you just kind of look through and all those matchups, you could tell me, unlike previous years where the one eight is this, big gap or two seven is this big gap um you could tell me that the other team the lower seeded team could win that uh win that series and i wouldn't think it's that far-fetched um you know because golden state being sacramento we've been six three would be like yeah it kind of makes sense because only four games separate them and then you got the experience on the other side uh, I just think it's very peculiar. I think it has a lot to do with injury, players sitting out for various reasons. And we find ourselves kind of this parody that we haven't seen in the NBA in a really, really long time. Um, so it's going to be it's a very, very interesting to see it play out. But to go all the way back to tie it into what the point that you made and, and what I brought up earlier, I think that's exactly right. You know, I could see the Bucks uh, beating up on, say, uh, let's say Toronto is the one, but I could see them going 4-1 against Toronto. They then play Cleveland in New York, and they, they go 4-1 on them. I, I would say maybe 4-2 if Donovan Mitchell got hot in a game or Julius Randle went for 50. Um, and then they would play a Celtics or a Sixers team who I just think they're better than if they stay healthy. And so, But the, because they haven't played these grueling matchups, they're going to be better rested and move on to the finals. Uh, they wouldn't have gone to such a grueling matchup, and I think they win the title easy. That's just kind of how I see it playing out, just because I think those you know playoff games do add up over time. Yeah, for sure. But you just can't put – we're not going to put any of that bad juju out there saying that LeBron's going to lose. He's not going to lose to the Timberwolves. No, I don't think so. Especially I, with I, I, Rudy think... Gobert out, there's obviously some discontent in uh, that circle. And I think that it just well, goes to show Well, and McDaniels that... broke his hand punching the yes. wall. So their best defender's <laughs> out now, too. So they're down. They're two best defenders. I mean, it's just like perfect timing for the Lakers, honestly. Yeah, divine intervention for LeBron to win another ring. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the Eastern Conference page, um, obviously, it's a, it's. I would say it's a conference that's more top-heavy. Uh, than the especially the Western Conference. What do you make of the Eastern Conference, and and kind of how do you see that shaking out? Yeah, I mean, like you like you kind of mentioned, I think that we'll see a fun Cavs run in this series. I think that they could potentially go to like the conference championship, but I think I think that we're going to see the Bucks in the finals this year. Um, I just think that 
the type of player that Giannis is, I don't see them missing the finals two years in a row. I think that that's obviously the ultimate goal. They reach that level and they're not going to back down from it. And so I think the Celtics, um, I think the Celtics are going to have a little bit of a disappointing uh, playoff run here. I don't anticipate them making it super far. I think that they're going to have one of those disappointing seasons. So yeah, I've got the bucks on top of this, this one. I think that they're going to have some fun series, but I think ultimately we could kind of expect them to be similar to the Warriors last year where they're just easily winning each matchup. Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with you exactly. I do think the Bucks will end up uh, making the finals. I just think the Joe Ingles, the Jay Crowder adding to their depth of an already pretty deep team, Brooke Lopez, you know, not only hitting a bunch of threes now, but being a, a really good defensive player. And so when you have two big guys who can defend the rim, like him and Giannis can, uh, I think they can alter shots and and you know be anchors in the defense that'll be really tough to score on. Um, and I think I just it, it goes back to the points we're making. I just think whoever comes out of that Philly Celtics because I think they will end up ultimately winning their first round will just be beat up. And I don't think the Bucks will have faced much. Um, so unless there's an injury like there was last year when Chris Middleton went down with a knee injury. Uh, I just don't see a world where Giannis gets denied, like you said, and with that depth that they added. Um, I agree with you 100%. So I do I do think the Eastern Conference is a little more cut and dry. Um, if Jason Tatum or Joel Embiid ascends to a different level, which they certainly are capable of, um, I think that obviously they have a, a puncher's chance. But I think Giannis has already proven where he can get to, you know, that finals run he had against the Suns, the 50-point games, the triple doubles, some iconic blocks on, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I just think that they've been there, done that. If it wasn't for an injury last year, I think they would have been right there as well. Uh, and so I think that they'll, they'll end up making it. So I guess as a loose prediction, what is let's, – let's nail it in. What is your prediction for the finals and who wins a championship uh, for the NBA? From my biased or unbiased opinion. Uh, well, your bias is going to be the Lakers, uh, probably versus the Bucks with the Lakers winning, but let's go more realistic because the, just believing that AD and LeBron can be healthy for eight straight weeks, six, eight, six straight weeks. I mean, we gotta be, we gotta be very, very real. They could win that first round, but I just, it's just hard to see them staying healthy. I just don't see it. Yeah. Unbiased. Unbiased, I think that we're going to see a, my potential call now it's going to change next week, but I say Buck Suns. Buck Suns. That's good. With Bucks coming out on top. If the Warriors hadn't had just the weirdest season from Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole, from them not being able to win on the road, I'd be more apt to pick them just because of who they are. So it's hard for me not to say the Suns. Uh, I mean, or yeah, to not say the Suns out of the West. Um, but just because you did, I'm going to go Denver. I'm going to say Yakola Jokic finally. Go the two number one seeds pitting against yep, each other. Yep. I'm going chalk. I'm going chalk after I just spent all that time talking about how the West is just parody and weird. <laughs> um, so Nikola Jokic is going to ascend to that different level. You know, he was getting a lot of criticism for being in mentions for a third straight MVP. And I think that's cooled off. And I think Embiid will take it. But I think this is the year. I mean, I do think the Suns, the Warriors, the Lakers all have a legitimate chance. But let's just go chalk. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. I, I really don't think there's anyone that's going to be able to beat Giannis. So, Paige, we, we kind of talked about a couple different things as well. That kind of concludes what we're talking about on the playoff side. 
There's a few NFL news to get to. The one that kind of shocked a lot of people because <laughs> of what it assumed was going to happen was OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., signing with the Baltimore Ravens. But I want to read you something very interesting that was on Bleacher Report as of today. Um, it was a, This is a quote from Bleacher Report. The Baltimore Ravens turned head Sunday when they announced they agreed to a one-year deal with wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. and then shared an image of him FaceTiming with quarterback Lamar Jackson. As it turns out, there is reportedly still plenty of work to do on a contract extension with star QB Lamar Jackson. What do you make of the Odell signing? $15 million guaranteed, $3 million in incentives. Pretty nuts for, for a guy who's coming off, playing not for an entire year, has been really not the guy since he was traded from New York all the way back in 2018. What are your thoughts? What do you think of it? Is it going to lead to Lamar signing back with the Ravens? I mean, I think this was this is probably my favorite news story of the week, to be honest, just because um, I just love OBJ. I mean, I think that everyone just does. But I think that this is very intriguing to me simply because of like obviously the size of the contract. Um, it, it's very sizable. And it's very interesting to me because like obviously the biggest issue for Lamar has been the fact that he can't get like the Ravens to commit to him and the money that he wants that he th thinks he deserves. And so it's interesting to me, they make a move like this and it's obvious to like, you know, as a quarterback, like Lamar Jackson, um, there's not a lot of players like OBJ in terms of like, obviously there's a lot of players that have a lot of talent, but I think OBJ brings a lot more to a locker room than just the ability to catch balls. He brings in like the, he just is like such a charismatic person, a great team leader, um, is always able to get people to rally around him. And so I think that when you're bringing in not only like an incredible player, but also a personality hire, it can be very intriguing to um, different teams. And I mean, you look at a player like Lamar Jackson and you look at a long longitudinal look at the career and it's not just about uh, the, the, 10, 15 years that you play in the league. It's also about setting yourself up for success at success after the fact of like, what are you going to do? And having connections and playing with people like OBJ kind of helps set you up for like more, more media talk, right? Going to get more focus on your games on those big catches when you have a player like OBJ associated with you. And so as much as like, we love football simply because of football, it's like these players, this is their career. And so you want to be in situations that are setting you up for success that give you the best um, ladder to climb in terms of like not only success now, but success thereafter. And so I think that obvious, I think that one, Lamar Jackson is doing a great job of keeping everybody on their toes, keeping everybody interested in this story, opening himself up to sponsorships because he's just such a hot name right now. Um, but I think ultimately, like, I think that this is kind of proof that you can see that the Ravens aren't completely sold out on Lamar, that they want him there and that they're going to, they're going to throw some bones at him to try and like, Hey, we might not be able to meet your 100% of this, the, the cap that you're wanting, but Hey, what if we bring in some incentives this way that will overall help your career? And then hopefully we can find a middle ground to be satisfied with a contract that will at least get us through the next two, three years. Yeah. And I, you know, I love when people say, well, Odell wouldn't have signed there if he didn't think uh, Lamar Jackson could be back. And I can see where they're coming from. But at the same time, the guy was given $15 million uh, to play football there. 
And obviously we don't know what was offered. Uh, there's been no reports that there was a team uh, close to that. The Jets were going to meet with him actually today uh, before he ended up announcing yesterday that he was signed with the Ravens. So I think it's funny when people say that, not knowing like, hey, what if the other offers were like four or five and the Ravens just came in with 15 because they are trying to lure Lamar Jackson to at least sign his franchise tag and pair him with a guy who's electric. So um, what I think of it is that there's just, you just are creating yourself the highest opportunity, like you said, to res- to resign Lamar Jackson. I think Odell, because of his injuries, is past the point where he could make a strong impact on the football field. I think his, you know, explosive plays will be there, but I think, I mean, he's had two ACL surgeries now. Uh, he's battled some, a, a variety of different things. Um, and he's just older, like people, you know, but if you're not LeBron James, you just slow down when you're older. So um, I don't think that it's going to add as, you know, as much as people perceive 2016 OBJ to be, but I do think it, if anything, it shows Lamar, Hey, we really want to keep you here. Let's hire one of your friends. Uh, one of these big time dudes, just to let you know how much we care about you. So a couple of other things that have been interesting to read about. Um, one, I want to read a quote to you. Uh, yeah. That was pretty wild. Carson Palmer uh, quote. I just, I don't know how to digest it uh, considering the season that we just had, but here it is. Um, talking about Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. I think Joe is the best quarterback in the league. I know Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal, but I just think Joe's more consistent. Question more mark? consistent. He's more consistent. He's more accountable to run the system and the play this call and not feel like, well, he did win last time and get open for me. So I'm going to do it with my feet. And then before you know it, you're sacked for a four yard loss because you try to make two or three guys miss. Joe was just talk about not having a weakness, Men- mentally strong, physically tough, accurate, can throw far enough, fast enough, gets the ball quick, and then can actually do a lot with his legs. I mean, I, I don't know what he I don't know if he watched the playoff run last year or if he's watched Patrick Mahomes play. Um I it just was uh very interesting to see that said and, and meant. And it's not like uh Carson Palmer is like a big Bengals fan. I mean, he held out and made the franchise trade him to the Raiders because he want he, they didn't, you know, extend him. So I don't know if there's an affinity for the Bengals by any means. I, I don't know. It was just funny. I think I think we get bored this time of year and we forget what happened two months ago, I guess. But uh, Carson Palmer just with the hottest take and probably the worst take that we'll have. And it's not that Joe Burrow's bad, obviously, but. No, Patrick we love Patrick Joe Burrow. We love Joe Burrow. We're like two yeah. of Joe Burrow's biggest fans. Yeah, Joe Cool. But I mean, it's- come on. Well, it's just a matter of like, I'm like, one, okay. Like we know that Carson Palmer might've woken up this morning or been like, you know what? You know, it's something crazy I could say that would probably get my name <laughs> trending in every household in America. I have a yeah. hot take. Um, so, I mean, there's always that element, right? Like it's a lot of, it's just clickbait. They want to like excite people, get people talking about certain players and different things like that. But I mean, it is just funny when you think about it in terms of like, yeah, like, do we all want to believe that Joe Burrow like is the best? Yes. But like Joe Burrow, yeah, he's reached that level in college football, but he hasn't reached that level in the NFL. He hasn't won a Super Bowl and he hasn't taken his team to victory that way. And so I'm like, it's just kind of that difficult thing of I'm like, he's had two great years in the NFL. 
we don't have enough like data to support a claim like that. When you're looking at a player like Patrick Mahomes, multiple MVPs, uh, two Super Bowl rings, like it's just you can't. It's like apples to oranges at this point. Like Joe Burrow is way too young in the league to make that type of assumption. And especially because I'm like, we saw some, especially this last, this postseason, like we saw some things in Joe Burrow that like you haven't seen in Patrick Mahomes in terms of failing. And so it's just, just a funny take to me that I think most people when they read it don't agree, but I bet all those Bengals fans are just loving it and soaking it in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess what it would be like to have a quarterback that would be compared at that level. Um, Obviously Joe Burrow's done some great things, but when, um, you are, you know, and I think it kind of reared his head when they were playing in uh, Buffalo be Buffalo and they're calling Arrowhead Burrowhead uh, and Joe Burrow had a chance at the end of the game to go down and win and he didn't and Patrick Mahomes did. Patrick Mahomes has two Super Bowls and, you know, not that that is the only way to measure, but when you talk about the best quarterback, he typically makes uh, the best place. So I just see it's very interesting. I, like I said, like you said, I think people just get bored and they just start saying things and they like their name to trend because he's been talked about. He's talked about by us. Uh, so, you know, good job, uh, Carson Palmer. And, uh, you know, got us to, to open up that conversation. But um, kind of the other thing that kind of popped up, uh, the last thing that we'll kind of cover here was we're, ta- we're kind of approaching, we're, getting it where we're almost two weeks away from the NFL draft and there's been some buzz. Obviously the Cardinals had a terrible season last year. They finished with the third overall pick and what that has allowed them to do after paying an absurd amount of money to Kyler Murray, uh, locking him in as their QB for the, at least the next few years um, that has opened them up to be a part of trade speculation. And there has been a number of teams uh, who have inquired to the Cardinals. Um, let me see if I can pull up the exact tweet. Here it is from Adam Schefter. He says at least six teams have inquired with the Arizona Cardinals about trading up for the third overall pick in the upcoming draft. Cardinals are still mulling whether to move or trade the pick. Um, I guess move m- move pick, whether to move pick or make it, I guess is what the tweet says. Um the inquiries are the Colts, the Seahawks, the Lions, the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Titans. Paige, what do you make of this? Should the Cardinals take a pick on a player or trade it to acquire more capital? Well, I mean, the whole situation with the Cardinals has just been weird, I think, for the past year. Obviously, the contract that came out last year where it's like d- down to the number of hours that they're expecting. Um, why am I not remembering his name right now? quarterback for the Cardinals. Oh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. That was the weirdest brain fart of my entire (laughs) life. I've spent hours watching video of Kyler Murray and forgot his name. Um, But it's like down to the contract that came out last year, like this, like, oh, he has to be watching film for at least four hours a day. And it's like, the fact you have to outline that in the contract is like a little bit alarming. One and two, that seems like too little of film to be watching as an NFL football player. Also Um, true. And then like Cliff Kingsbury gets the contract extension and then they end up firing him like and the GM and the GM. And so, I mean, the be and be simply because of that, like Cliff Kingsbury, his contract makes it so that he the Cardinals have to pay him at least five million dollars every year for until 2027. So, I mean, for Cliff Kingsbury, it worked out perfectly. Right. He signs this contract extension, uh, gets fired, but he still is going to make a solid 20 million off of this team over the next five years. He's just sitting pretty. Um 
But because of that and because of the weird cap space that they have, I think that it makes more sense to trade it and get like get more cap space so that you can actually bring in some people to support Kyler Murray. Um, but yeah, I just I think the Cardinals are in such a weird situation, but that's just kind of the the nature of the Cardinals, I feel like, for the past like 10 years. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Cliff Kingsbury, he uh, signed with USC to coach the quarterback with. Uh, oh, crap. Who's the coach of USC right now? Lincoln Riley from the old coach Oklahoma. So he's landed on his feet living in uh, in Southern California. What's really funny about the whole thing is that, you know, life comes full circle is that the Cardinals uh, scooped him up after he agreed to be the USC offensive coordinator all the way back in uh, 2018. So. I guess good for him. 2018, 20, maybe it was, it was 2019. I think 2019 is when he got hired. So anyway, just kind of weird that he ended right back where he was taken from. Um, yeah. The Cardinals are interesting position. There was a, a NFL writer named uh, Norris. I can't remember what his last name was. I tried to like the tweet, but I must've missed it, but he's, he's been on this drum and we could talk about this in our skull edition but he's on this drum that the Vikings have been making inquiries about the number three overall pick, which I just find very interesting. So we'll see if it's true. There's been a lot of smoke around the Vikings moving up. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. I do believe I mean, they that just, they just signed a Chris Boyd over it to the Cardinals. So maybe there's some things going on between the Vikings and the Cardinals. It's true. I do think it's interesting. There's been a lot of smoke around the Vikings moving up. There's always a team, I feel like, that ends up taking a quarterback uh, that you just weren't expecting them to. I mean, in recent years, you have, like, the Chiefs, who tra- traded up with Alex Smith as their quarterback and took Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, that worked out really well. You have the Packers, who were just off an NFC Championship game appearance, take Jordan Love in the back half of the draft, um, and obviously, they feel good enough about him to let the to you know, three, four time MVP walk out the door. Uh, so uh, there's always a team. Typically, seems like there's a team that you don't expect to do it, and they do it. And a lot of people are comparing the situation with Alex Smith and the Chiefs to what Kirk Cousins is for the Vikings right now. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out. But the draft. I mean, is- if there's a, if there's a if there's a GM and a coaching staff that you can tell are just being very methodical in everything they do, it's Quessy and O'Connell. And so I think that we could definitely see some things that maybe the rest of us would be surprised by, but end up being to our benefit because those are two great football minds in charge. That's a little teaser for the school edition. If you are a Vikings fan, as we move into the next couple of weeks, we may have uh, we'll, we'll go outline our you know top thirty two. I think just gets all weird because. People are trading back. We'll do our top 10 picks, how we think the top 10 will play out. Outline those uh, in two weeks from now. We'll talk a little more NBA playoffs next week um, and dive into uh, any more NFL free agents that are left and and where they should end up, such as guys like Ezekiel Elliott or DeAndre Hopkins, who isn't necessarily a free agent, but the Cardinals, speaking of dysfunction, Cardinals know that they aren't going to bring him back, and he knows that they aren't going to bring him back. So they're trying to find a trade partner there. Um, but we'll cover that next week. Thanks for tuning in, Paige. Do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap this episode up? Go LeBron. Back where we started. <laughs> full circle moment. We're a full circle moment. I guess by the time people listen to this, they will know if LeBron won or lost. So... Age will either be happy or sad. Uh, thanks for tuning in this episode of the His and Miss podcast. Tune in again next week. 
as we continue to cover the hottest news in sports. And by sports, I mean the NFL and the NBA. Thank you.